Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, I speak with Dave Feldman. Dave is the Vice President of Social Media Marketing for the NFL, where he oversees the NFL's social channels across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Prior to working at the NFL, Dave was the Director of Social Media for Major League Baseball. This episode was recorded way before the Super Bowl, so that is why there is no mention of it in particular. So therefore, I thought I would give my own Super Bowl predictions. As you will learn in this episode, I am an Eagles fan and therefore have very little interest in other teams. I do like Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, because he was an incredible coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I will be rooting for them, but will find it hard to vote against Tom Brady. And so in classic sports analysis form, I predict that if the Bucks play well, they'll win the game. And if the Chiefs play well, they'll win the game. So let's wait and see. In the change talk part of the episode, Dave talks about his responsibilities with both work and being a father of a one-year-old son. He still wants to spend his free time more productively. The name of the episode might give a clue about what he decided to implement. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And may Dave's change talk in some small way inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Change Talk. I am here with David Feldman. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you spend your time? Hey, Noah. I'm the Vice President of Social Media Marketing for the National Football League. This is a crazy moment in time that we're all living in right now, but uh, like I obviously work from home. Uh, I have a newborn, or I guess he's now 10 months, so um, when I'm not on a Zoom call for work, I'm normally trying to help out in some capacity for him, whether that's changing him, preparing food, just spending time with him, going on a walk with him. That doesn't leave a lot of extra time. Maybe we've, we've just started getting a couple of different TV shows. So we're working through Shit's Creek right now and Queen's Gambit. And that's honestly probably it. Uh, so what, what's, uh, what's, it, what's it like being a father? Wow, it's pretty wild. Like the entire future of this kid is being molded by my brain and my wife's brain to a large degree, <laughs> which is like a crazy responsibility. But it's pretty great. Like he's so cute so innocent for the most part um so loving it's really great it's a lot of work yeah so obviously there's nothing to that you did to prepare like did you read anything or was it just like no i i was going to not think about this until it happens and then yeah i took that approach i there was one good friend of mine who once said like the biggest thing you can do is not listen to any advice that people give you And I don't know if that's good advice or not, but I just, that was good advice for me to just have an excuse to not do any prep work. Right. So 
despite my wife giving me countless yeah despite i like i have so many books that she gave me that i like didn't read um there was like a couple classes we took at the hospital to prep for it but now i kind of went in i just jumped right into the deep end i have like i don't know if it's a fault or it's actually like a really great philosophy i don't know probably somewhere in the middle (laughs) where for like anything that almost everyone you know does to a degree I just had like a mentality that it can't be that bad or that that hard. And like, it kind of like when I learned how to drive, it was like the first time I remember thinking like this, like I remember like having a driving test and like going on driver's ed and stuff like that. And people are like, oh, are you nervous? I'm like, millions of people drive. Like I'm smarter than so many more of those millions of people. Like they can figure it out, I can figure it out. And so like that like type of unabashed confidence for those types of like, there's very specific things like that. It's like, well, fatherhood, like, well, so many people are fathers. Like I can be a father, I can be a good father. Like, like that just type of approach right for better or for worse is like embedded me i couldn't tell you why or how because my siblings are not like that at all um but yeah i don't know that's just kind of that's like a core core tenet of my being even though of course i think you know we could probably benefit from some wisdom on how to be good parents oh yeah a hundred like i should be taking as much help as i can get but um i don't know but you're in it i'm in it so so what's if you just had to name one of the most meaningful or beautiful experiences with Archie in the last 10 months what stands out as just oh wow as a, as a moment I mean, there's for you so many but like right even in the last couple of weeks he's like started kind of like saying words which is like crazy where I'll just walk into a room and he'll say hi and I'm like what just happened like my wife and I will look at each other like what's going on here and right. that's like so crazy we're like oh wow like we're really gonna have a front row seat to the progression of this person's life who we're responsible for like that's just a wild um journey to be on it's it's also because yeah you there every stage you just think oh that's who they are now and then all of a sudden they have this new ability uh nowhere and then that new ability, like especially those early years it's going to just be exponentially growing it's totally hard and to, like it's hard to keep track of all the milestones out exaggeration you can genuinely notice a difference every single day of- yeah what's going on whether it's like physical or cosmetic or whether it's like real personality driven um whatever it is like you i I swear to god i I got you can really see it that's awesome the only other interview i've asked about parenthood is to my sister um i asked her about being a mother i didn't expect to ask you about being a father but it is new and you brought it up sure i mean especially in a work from home environment that so many of us are in like it's it's just a core part of my day even more so than it would be um i feel very unfortunate for that matter but like it's i see him all day right so when you're not seeing and hanging out with archie and patty and watching um the queen's gambit and schitt's creek what are you doing what is the Um, nfl like uh, behind the scenes yeah, so like it's just like at a high level, I'm responsible for all the output across the NFL social channels. So like anything you would see across NFL, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, Snapchat, not YouTube, actually, we have a separate, like our video team, our digital media team helps run YouTube. Okay. But anything you see across all the NFL social chat platforms, like the strategy behind our programming, the creative approach behind it, it's both from like, um, like a design, editing, uh, animation, illustration, so forth um as well as just like the creative thinking that goes behind it uh as well as just some of our other sub channels so nfl network all of our programming for nfl network accounts the Checkdown, which is like a very popular helmets off culture first type of account that we run across those platforms 
NFL Throwback, which is like archival accounts, um, and a few others. Like, so those are all under my purview. Um, and then I also just like kind of get thrown onto some kind of just social first initiatives that have like footprints beyond social. So I guess the best way of like explaining it is, I don't know if you see any Sunday night football games this year, but we've, we've for the first time, only the, Eagles. Uh, only the Eagles, but we, we started this thing called a Showtime cam, which is a camera we put in the end zone of Sunday night football games for the most part, where players can go to, to celebrate. And what they're seeing is a mirror or more reflection um, with fans of the home team on the guardrails on the side. So like we knew that this year it was going to be hard for fans to be at the stadium, for players to interact with fans. So we try to think of creative ways of how we can bring fans and players together. So I've kind of led that project as far as um, coming up with the idea. Uh, we send two people to each game to help work the Showtime cam. We brought on Twitter and Bud Light to partner with us on that. And then the content that that captures also then lives across Twitter and other social channels as well. So that so was is that like when the defense goes into the end zone and like has yes. they're all like staring at it crossing their arms. That's the Showtime cam right there. That's the Showtime cam. That's uh, that's one of my responsibilities. Yeah, and then a lot of it is also the, like tentpole planning, like what we're doing for Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, draft, like stuff like that. That is more or less the crux of what I'm tasked to lead. So did you get into this because you're a football fan yourself? First of all, I am a really big football fan, uh, so that's certainly helpful. And I would say, like, kind of imperative for the job that I have. Like, yeah. if you're so much tasked of just, like, putting yourself in the shoes of a fan, so you have to know how to think like a fan, behave like a fan, react like a fan, and know what will delight a fan. Um, but truthfully, you know, I went to I went to University of Michigan for undergrad. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do right up undergrad, as so many people don't. But I knew I wanted to be in New York. So the easiest way I could get to New York, I thought was going to law school. So I ended up going to Cardozo Law School in, in uh, Union Square in New York. And I had pretty much no desire to be a lawyer, but I knew that would buy me three years to kind of figure out what I wanted to do in New York. Right. And within about four or five months of moving to New York, I got a job working for MLB.com for Major League Baseball to write fantasy um, news articles. And at the time I was like obsessed with fantasy baseball. And so I kind of used that as my, like I saw like my door opened a little bit, like the, the idea of working in sports was always a dream. So like, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm working in Major League Baseball. Like I gotta like, this is my priority. Like I, I threw my entire life into this and became obsessed with it. And with the hope that that would eventually lead to a full-time job, which it did. So after I graduated law school, um, I somehow passed the bar, didn't never studied, never practiced law in my life. I got a full-time job to run the fantasy baseball department for MLB. This is like in 2009. So like, okay, this is pretty early. early. Yeah, early. So pretty early days of social. And then about a year into that, because of my writing, I started like writing feature articles. I was like a columnist for MLB.com as well while doing that. Um, our CEO, my boss, like read my work and they started liking my work. And they're like, you know what, Felvin, social media is becoming a thing like that we got to start investing in, like go help figure out social for us. So I did that. So like, and I had like huge reservations. I like really remember having serious anxiety about being known as like the Twitter guy around the office. Like I just like, I was like, what is this? This isn't gonna last. Like, what are we doing here? But I did it and I had no idea what like this is about to become. And so I was at MLB working on a social team uh, for about four and a half years. And then I uh, got a call from the NFL that they were a little bit behind and they wanted someone to kind of lead the social team for the NFL. So I did that. I moved from New York to LA and I've been doing that for about seven years or so, maybe a little bit more. Wow. 
Yeah. So you've been, you've been in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. About seven and a half years. And, and the being a fan versus working there, do you see things differently? Yeah, I think like everyone knows I'm from Detroit, like in the leagues, I'm pretty team agnostic. I don't have that core, like fan, like hardcore, my team's in the playoffs right now. Like I, I, I can't watch a game. I'm too anxious. Cause like the lions are so bad typically. So like, I don't really feel that. So I'm able to kind of like actually pretty impactfully do my job and pretty, pretty agnostic as far as my emotions go. Although I will say like from a fantasy football perspective, I, I have my allegiance to certain players. So I, I will react in certain ways if my guys are performing well. But you're, but you're more professional about it. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I try um, to be. Right. So I just want to give a little bit of a, like, and now for people that don't know as much of the NFL, the NFL is like very a condensed, all these leagues are going on and on. You have 82 games or 162 games. When I'm yeah. watching, like there's 16 games. So I, I don't watch any other sports regularly at all. Actually, I watch the playoffs of basketball and, and hockey, whatever, but I watch every single Eagles game. And I like, it's a very, I think it's tapping into things that go beyond sports. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's just sports. I don't actually care. It's not life. Um, right. but what, why is the NFL so successful? I think there's a lot of reasons. One, scarcity of games is for sure a huge component to it for every game. There's a lot of gravity behind the weight of, of what happens. So like, you know, I guess roughly uh, four and a half, five NBA games equals one NFL game. So like, that's a lot. If a team won 10 games in a row in the NBA, right. which is equivalent to like a two game winning streak, it's like, it's, oh my gosh, like the, the Blazers right. are on fire right now. What's going on? Are right. they, can they win the title? And that's like, why like, the storylines, I mean, I, I, they're so absurd. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like it's so like, there's a scarcity of games. I think it's also, I mean, like, this is like modern day gladiators. Like, right. I don't know how else to put it. Like, it's by far the most just like intrinsically violent of sports. Like, like it's just like every single play, there's at least five players that have a serious collision, like meeting the linemen. Um, sorry, five, 10, so five and five, roughly. Obviously, there could be four linemen, there could be whatever. whatever. Um, and I think there's a certain... Like, I think like, like, I think some of the beauty of basketball is so many people grow up playing basketball, right? You go in the backyard, you shoot a hoops, you play like schoolyard ball, like whatever, like everyone can resonate with that, which is great. Cause I mean, like, I like basketball and that makes me an NBA fan. I think the counter to that is also true where it's like, if you don't play football growing up, especially like competitive football, tackle football, like what's happening every Sunday or Thursday night or Monday night is so shocking to the system of like, people do this, like this is allowed, like we can... And so I think it's just like, there's a very much like a wow factor combined with absolutely breathtaking athletic prowess or right. achievement, however you want, like whether it's a hurdle, a juke, a spin move, a catch, like acrobatic catches that who in the, like, how, how, how did DeAndre Hopkins catch that? Like, like it's just, yeah. you see incredible wow moments that you literally can't see, that you don't even know the human body could do and that you certainly don't see in any other sport. It's, it's aesthetically beautiful to, to see 100%. that. hundred yeah. percent. Combine that with like really complex um, tactics beyond that, like even me, which I consider myself like a pretty like hardcore football fan. There's no, like I have 5% of the knowledge of what these people are paid to do. Um, I don't know. I think you combine all that plus scarcity of games, plus knowing like any play someone can get injured and like that could be it. Like there's inherent risk every single snap that happens on the field. Like I think you see why the NFL consistently rates 
like by all be by far better than other league, but it's, it's I mean, like the highest like, rated show hundred percent. So like there was a stat, I forget what it was. Something to the effect of like, I think for, it must've been the month of October where I think 23 of the top 25 shows that month were all NFL games. The only two outliers were the debates. Right. And it's like, right. wow. And right. it's like a regular season NFL game. I could be wrong, but I don't, I, if, it's, if I'm wrong, I'm not too far off. It's like comparable to like a world series, like game seven to or an me, NBA Dave, finals game. There's no difference. And this is what I say to people. There's no difference between the NFL regular season and the playoffs to me. Like, I don't, I don't feel like the game gets bigger. Like when you're playing in yeah. a division for a divisional playoff, like that's a mini Super Bowl in and of itself. Every game is its own entity. Like, it doesn't feel like when you're, when you're in watching the NBA or the NHL, the MLB, there's the regular season and then there's the playoffs. It doesn't yeah. really feel like that. No. I mean, it's the playoffs, but it's just another game. Like, it's so, and I think that goes back to the scarcity of the games. Like every game means so much. Like yeah. they're, it's, uh, it's really wild. We're like, I mean, it's commonplace for a team to win their division by one game or a team to get home field because of one game. Whereas like in baseball, like it's so rare for that to happen. And basketball, so rare for that. I mean, there really is serious weight behind every single game. So it's the scarcity. It's that every game is, a, is like a playoff. You could just say the yeah. whole season is one round robin intense playoff. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a crazy statement to make. Yeah. And then you have the sort of the, what you were talking about, which is this gladiator effect of people wanting to watch that. I don't even, that's not really what I'm attracted to. And then you have the, what you were talking about with the athletic prowess. We are just, we want to see excellence. When we see yeah. people do things that are just beyond comprehension, whether it's mentally or physically, it, it's, it's inspiring, it's meaningful to watch and to see that. And obviously, you know, um, what you mentioned with the gladiator, and there are people that are like that, people that are just into violence, who knows it's embedded. Obviously the NFL has, is moving towards greater awareness, let's say of the concussions and For player sure. safety because they have to like, but I think there's case. a beautiful element to the violence. I mean, there's like a real beauty to it where like, there's like uh like this person got the right block. So this person made an incredible tackle. Like, like there's a certain, um, yeah, art to it as well. It's not just like unabashed, like brutality. It's not like there's a real technique well, to it's it. It's socially there's real... acceptable. Like you couldn't do that yeah. in the real world, but then you get to the fandom piece of it. And, you know, I, it's really weird to see, but people, people form Id identity. Group identity is a huge part of it. Unif unifying people, being a part of a group, especially with like the decline. And I, I don't think it's a good thing per se, but you know, the decline of communal, like communal structures, re organized religion, all these things. And you're seeing people, these stadiums are like these massive, like, yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. So then you're getting to the whole experience of being at a game and the intensity of like cheering, everybody cheering about the same thing, that power of collective experience and unification. And you know, every game you go to something absolutely incredible can happen and that you're sharing it with like-minded people, like passionate people who, who will, who you'll always be able to, to have that common bond with them forever. And that's like that manifests in person at a live event that you go to, but also like there's that tribalism that you communicate with them, whether it's on a Reddit message board or on a Facebook group or on an Instagram comment, like there's no end there where like you just share that one bond with them because you both happen to root for the same color of laundry together. Like it's, it's pretty, it's, it's incredible. It's, but it's a symbol. Incredible. Like yeah, absolutely. each team is a symbol. Well, how do you get to become an Eagles fan? How did that happen? 
when you're Canadian, you're, you know, you're in grade five, you're 10 years old, you're 11 years old, you just kind of land on either, you know, you're in a pool and you just land on a team. And then it's like, okay, that's my team. So then you, you kind of get adopted into it. So like, so for you me, just like McNabb and Terrell Owens and Brian Mitchell. It was, and it was, whatever. It was like 2003. So it was like the so, early McNabb, Andy Reid era. And okay. I haven't really missed a game since. I mean, I watch every game, wow. but it's an individual like For me, I was talking about this collective thing. You know, when I go on the road, I've been to some crazy games when Deshaun Jackson had a punt return to win the game in regulation. Miracle at Meadowlands, part two. I was at the Miracle at the Meadowlands number two. But it's been a very individual experience. Like I, I watch, the lights are off, it's by myself. You're emotionally invested during the game? It's a body, it's a full body experience. Like I wow. said, it's like, it's like a workout. I don't know what it is. I know it's, I know on one hand, it means nothing. Like I don't, it's just a sport and the sport is a team and the team is from Philadelphia, but it's weird. I feel connected to Philadelphia, like uh, the people, like the city, the yeah. intensity, like I'm very, very, very intense person. So I feel like my personality is somehow connected to Philadelphia. Okay. And this individual Where are you with Carson Wentz right now? I am, I'm a, I'm a bit fluid. Part of me at times is like, you know, this is a human being. We forget that these people are human beings. I'm sure. 28. Carson Wentz is 27. He's my age. The guy is just trying to play sport and make a living and get by. And, and it's like, I don't understand football. When I read these analysis, whether it's the coach, everyone thinks they know what they're talking about. And that's sports analysis. Like sports analysis is like, they might win, they might not. If the defense plays well, the offense plays well. Then you got, of course, you know, your Mike Mayox and your Chris Collinsworths and they sound, they're a bit better, but I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. So I just follow the herd. Now yeah. we're off, we're off the Carson Wentz fandom, but next week when they beat the Packers, we'll be back on it. You know, right, but like, even though you don't necessarily, and that you're probably not giving enough, enough yeah. credit, but you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can see with your trained eye of watching the game, like, something is broken know. here, like, something's going something on. Something is wrong, but I don't, I don't know. You got the, the offensive line, they give, they have no time. They give yeah. them no time. The, the play calling is unimaginable. I have no, even without understanding football, I have no idea what they're thinking. He goes for fourth down in crazy situations, which make no sense. There's yeah. just weird stuff going on and the culture is a little bit off. So, but I, there's something about him that I'm, that I'm not feeling very confident about overall. Wait, I, do you want them to make the quarterback change the hurts? Yes. But that's because I, wow. because I want new, like sure. I'm excited. I'm a sports fan. I want to, I want exciting. I'm used to the Eagles running through, you know, got Donovan and then they go and get, they get like the Jeff Garcia years. They get random people that come in that Vic? perform I haven't even gotten to Vic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, they got the Kevin Cobb and then, oh, and then Vic. They've got these just quarterbacks that are, then Chip Kelly comes in. I mean, yeah. constant, exciting offenses, Deshaun Jackson, big play players. Like, it's boring. I'm not getting up. It's not, Yeah. like, I'm not standing up watching the game as much anymore. So on that level, there's like something exciting about Jalen Hurts. Understood. This is totally probably not even going to be a part. My wife will do all this. <laughs> I have no idea. But, you know, so that's, you know, sports fandom is something. And obviously um, the NFL is tapping into some of those human uh, drives and needs for whatever, all the things that we've already mentioned. Sure. What's like the best part of your job? What's the most meaningful part of the job for you? Um, I'd say it's a few things. One is I have, an, like, I have an amazing team. I have a team of about 35, 40 people. Uh, they're all like, I'm by far the oldest person on the team. I'm 36. Uh, so wow. quite a young team. 
and just like building those bonds like those like chit chats like whatever it might be like that's awesome like i just like love working with them um and like just hanging out with them like it's like a really it's going on the road going to the super bowl for a week going to nashville for a week for the draft like that's just like a really great bonding um that we feel very fortunate to be a part of uh it's just like really strange for now we're like eight or nine months in and like we're all remote and like i very much miss that connection because like you can't you just can't replicate that over zoom you can't um but like there's a real love for feeling like 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 there's to do a job where like so much of my job i don't feel like i'm actually working is like an incredible feeling it's something i don't take for granted like i'm there are definitely parts where like I do feel like I'm working and like, it's a job and I have to remind myself of that. And like, that's okay. And that's healthy. And I, I have it better than a lot of other people have it. Um, but like, just like working in a, in a field that you're passionate about and have a true love for is great. And my date, like there's, like, I know there's like tons of memes and friends who talk about like Sunday scaries where like, Oh man, like it's, it's Sunday. And next day I have to like, I have to go to work. Like I. Well, Sunday is work. the work day, right? Well, it is for me, but at least during the, the season it is. But like I, right. but even on Saturday, the day before, like I never feel that. Like I honestly never, I've never felt that working at the NFL or an MLB. I was a huge baseball fan at the time. Like I, there, and like, I don't think that's because like I'm some happy go lucky guy. I think it's like genuinely it's like, oh, like, like this is cool. Like, so I had like two meetings today about the Pro Bowl. That's cool. Like, I don't know, like that, that beats like, you know, bricklaying or whatever it might be. Like, like that's like a pretty fun thing to, to work about, to, to work through, to think about, and to just like know how many people like you, like how many people care? Like, like I'm, I'm such a fortunate position where what I do generally goes out to millions of people. Like what can happen in my brain can go to a designer or a video editor or whatever that like without hyperbole will go to impact millions of people. Like that is fact. And so that's, uh that's really rare there's very few brands out there that can like make that type of impact so i feel very fortunate that i can be at the tip of the sphere of one of the biggest brands in the country that like people really care about like i right. like it's pretty wild yeah so you got of course like the just the uh the environment there the people that you've been working with the fact that it doesn't feel like a job which is yeah a cool experience so what, what does that mean like it just you you're just engrossed in it you're kind of like because it's so naturally exciting and interesting to you that it just sometimes yeah I doesn't think feel for like a large it. part for sure like football is by far my favorite most favorite sport like even on a Sunday where like I'm now like working in our living room here I have all the games like my wife will be like are you watching this for work or because like you want to and I'm like both whatever like, is that's unacceptable yeah it's... and so like <laughs> that's a very fortunate spot to be in where like your life intersects with a, a passion of yours like that's 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 a that's a really big key of unlocking happiness as far as i'm concerned so i've uh i very much value that um and it's pretty great you started so early on in social media that so early i'm a you're talking OG. i feel like the the founding moments were 10 years ago i mean i legitimately started 10 plus years ago in social which in social years is a million years like that's yeah. day one right that's crazy wild. either way it's for you it's a meaningful experience to be there to be providing that value that people really enjoy to of course Definitely. be doing something that you really care about and be working with amazing people um and thank you for sharing that and thank you for entertaining my uh rants about the nfl um, <laughs> of course
So let's transition into the change talk. So talk to me about something that you are thinking about changing. And before we move on to the change talk, have you lost track of the hours you lose browsing and scrolling? Most of us have a hard time answering that question truthfully. Our suggestion? Utilize technology to help conquer technology. Focus Me is the productivity app that forces you to focus. The fully customizable tool blocks digital temptations, giving you countless hours of your life back by blocking selected keyword searches, desktop apps, and websites. The best part about it? It is unbeatable, uncheatable, unworkaroundable. I personally have been using it successfully for almost two years now. To join me, go to focusme.com slash changetalk for a 20% discount off your first payment. And if you are a student, go to focusme.com slash request dash educational dash discount to request an additional 30% off your first purchase. And now on to the change talk. Honestly, like the biggest thing is just like self-betterment. Like I feel like I do a really poor job of just taking advantage of, of the situation I'm in and making the most of my time. So that can be self-betterment of like knowing that, oh, I don't have a meeting for two hours. What am I going to do during these two hours? Like, sure, I can like, I, I could hang out with Archie. I could do like, um, you know, be a better father. That's could be like self-betterment, like make me a better father in that regard. Or they could be like from like a pure, like expand my mind, expand my knowledge base, like I could finish the book that I started and haven't picked up in two days. I could start learning a language. I could um, actually like think more about a side business that that like I've been ruminating for. And I feel like I just do a really poor job with that. Or it's like, it's so easy to go back to your like your habits of just like, ah, like let's just do kind of nothing. Or like I'm sitting at my computer. I don't have a call for a half hour or an hour. I don't have anything pressing for work that I need to like jump on. So it's like, oh, like I'll just mess around on Twitter. Or let me just check Instagram. Sure, I'll check for work, but also like, what are my friends doing? And like, or I'll check my fantasy team or whatever it is. And like the time flies by and I've done absolutely nothing. If you take all those 25 minutes of time, those 45 minutes of time, those pockets of time, you put it together and I actually were like, you know, I actually want to learn Mandarin this year. Like I could have done that. And like, that's like a real life skill that has like actual application. And that's something that I think about a lot of like, how do I just become more cerebral, like better myself physically, spiritually, um, just like, uh, just from more aptitude sense, like whatever it might be, that's something that I very much feel like I, I need to change and do a better job of. Because we're so, and, and I think a lot of people are struggling with this. Basically you have the general structure of what you need to do with your time. You have yes. your family and you have your work more or less, and you have some time that those mix and then some entertainment. But then there's all these moments in between that what do we do with them? When we have half an hour, do we just expand the half an hour into nothingness? Or is that yeah. half an hour taken seven days a week? That would be three and a half hours a week. Yeah. Talk about 14 hours a month, sure. right? But how many times do we let more than that, half an hour, hour, two hours, just 100%. evaporate into nothingness because we can just busy it with nothing. I could have tried something. a new recipe to make like in the kitchen. I could have worked out. I could have figured out how to get abs, like whatever it is. Like, like there's so many different things I can do. And I just consistently find myself just like going back to enjoyable, but relatively meaningless 
like inertia habits of mine that I find like it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, like relatively pleasurable or enough to be like, this is to justify it, whether it's yes. going on Twitter, scrolling, checking things out with your friends, just small little things to pass the time. Yeah. And at the moment it's fine, but then it adds up and you're like, well, what about all those things that I wanted to do that I 100%. care about? Give an example more recently where that's come up a bunch where you're like, wait, like, what am I doing? Have you noticed that more recently, especially with the pandemic? I mean, I feel like I've noticed a lot where I'll, I'll buy a book and I'll get excited. That I bought this book. I spent $20, whatever it might cost. I'm like, all right, I'm invested. And like, whatever, the first day I get the book, I'll like read before I get into bed. Read the forward. Great. Yeah, like read the forward, read like a, you know, enough pages I feel good about myself. And then like, I'll just notice like, I mean, day two, I'll read a little bit of the book, but by day three or day four, day, certainly by day five, it's like, ah, like today I'm not going to read. I'm just going to like check my phone a little bit. And then like that then snowballs into like, I'm never picking that book up again. <laughs> and like, I just feel like it's like a real addiction to my phone. Maybe that's like honestly what I'm talking about. But I think that's, I, I think sure I'm more prone to that given the shoes that I'm in and the job that I hold. I certainly use it as an excuse, whether it's like always fully true or conveniently true um, all the time, both for myself and also like for my wife or whatever it might be. But like, there's no, like, I'm not alone. Like, like by, I feel like so much of our, and like, this isn't like, I, I know it sounds like a boomer, like talking like everyone's addicted to their phone. Everyone is addicted to their phone where it becomes like so second nature of what they do. And I do think that there's so much better usage of my time where I could, like, could be doing something more meaningful or more like spiritually um, beneficial or like more tangibly beneficial to just make me a better person. Yeah, and, and I talk basically almost every episode about Cal Newport and, and digital minimalism and just the power of learning to be engaged with online activity in a way that's intentional and more within our realm of choice and desire. And there's, that's a whole world. And actually in my mental health practice, I've done, you know, screen time consultations are a big one, especially for students, but even mm. for adults, what I notice is the most difficult, what you mentioned is that your job requires you to be, you are social media. So yeah. that, that is where it becomes so messy because for, for the average person, if there's a behavior that they're engaged in that they don't really wanna be doing, but they're doing anyway, it's not usually the thing that's also their job and also entertaining and entertainment and yeah. enjoy. It's all put into one package for you. And it's very hard to differentiate all of that. that that's exactly right. It's, I, it's like just like a confluence of all that. And so I do need to do it for my job, but I also don't need to do it for my job at the extent of how much I do it. So it's just like, what, what am I doing? And like, it's, it's like pure, it's second nature. Like, like there's like almost like, there's a part of me that's like anxious that I like haven't checked my phone while we've even been having this conversation. Like that is, sure. that's like, that's real. And so it's I, like, I hear it. why? Like what, what, am, what, so like, so I like find out 20 minutes later than I have to that like Russell Wilson got traded for John Wall. Like, like how is that changing my life? Like, like what is, like what's Russell happening Wells, here? Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, sorry, yeah. That that Russell Westbrook got traded for John Wall. Yeah, that would be really, I mean, that <laughs> I'd be mad that I lost those 20 minutes for. But it's like, what, why? Like, why does it matter? Why do I need to know now versus whenever I choose to know something like that? And that's something that I struggle with. Yeah, and especially you mentioned the reading thing and I'm the same. So I wanted to acknowledge that this is sort of something that a lot of people are trying to deal with, as you mentioned, but to sort of generalize it beyond people that are just 
that it's screen time related. It's just anything related that people don't use 15, 20 minutes. They don't value it enough. That yeah. little, those little moments. What do you think that is? I think it's a lack of self-discipline where it's like, sure, I could do something that's more challenging, but this is easy. This is entertainment and no one's else going to know. Like, this is just like, I'm, I'm my judge, my judge in this case. And like, I'm not letting anyone else, anyone else down. Right. It's not like my, my wife needs me to read this book or Archie needs me to read it. It's just like, oh, like I'm, I'm kind of allowing it. I'm letting the, the, the puck go past the goalie here. It's like, I can live with that. And I think it's really just a lack of self-discipline to, and like lack of self-standards to allow yourself to move beyond that and to, to, to like say like, no, like actually like I'm going to value my time more for me versus like get lost in this like ether of just like noise that's ultimately borderline irrelevant. Right. And so what do you think about that experience of, not using those 15, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. What do you think the benefit of that is in your life that you don't do these other activities that you maybe want to do that are harder to do? I mean, it's like entertaining. It's easy. Um, it is comforting because like I know it. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, like those are all great sensations to feel, but from a self-betterment standpoint, they don't really check a lot of boxes in that regard. Right. So it's, it's really, but it's easy, entertaining and, and comforting. It's familiar. Yeah. All that stuff comes together. And so it's not where you want, but it's important to maybe acknowledge those are parts of the reason why. Totally. It's so enticing. Yeah. Any, any, any other reasons why it's so enticing for all of us? I mean, for you I think there's like a genuine sense of satisfaction where like you learn about something before almost anyone else does or before like a lot of people do. And so like, you're constantly at the like forefront of this waterfall and it's like, oh my God. And like, and like, I can tell my friends now, like, oh my gosh, you see that this just happened. And you like, or even myself, like, oh my God, this just happened. Like there's like <laughs> a just weird- tell you, I want, you don't want to tell yourself that it just happened. Yeah, or it's like, it's a weird, like, uh, I don't know if it's like adrenaline or dopamine or like some, so it's like a reaction. It's like, oh my God, like that, that's news. Like I'm at the forefront of what's happening in the world right now. Like there's a weird level of satisfaction of like constantly refreshing to see what that is. You want to be the messenger. Not, I mean, not just the messenger, but I also like, there's a weird value add of like partaking in it, of like, like being- in, in it live. versus like You're learning second half. Yeah, live to it versus learning it second hand or third hand or just late. Like, I don't know. Right. And like, that's so stupid. Like that is like <laughs> talking about it and like what, like that's my life. Okay, cool. Great, I'm 36. That's what I do. It makes sense. You want to know right away. There's the trade, there's this, whatever it is that you want to know. We want to be the first to know. Right, so but like why? Like that's so, when you think about it, it's completely useless. It's not making my life better. Okay, so you know, Half an right. hour, like you talked about uh, with the trade or, or something. Right. Like but there's part of that. You just want it. You want the information. Yes. You don't want yes. to be late. Yes. It's almost painful in a way when you have to do things that are maybe more rewarding, but slower. Meaning if you were to be reading a book or doing a reflection or writing or going for a walk by your, I don't know, just whatever it was that you were going to do at that time, it would be, there would be like a uncomfortability or painfulness to have to move to do something slower. Definitely. I mean, to read a book takes several hours. It takes, you're part of a journey. And if it's a long book, it takes months potentially to get through. Like you don't get that immediate self-satisfaction um, until the end. And so, well, I mean, at least you don't complete it till the end. So right. yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. It's part of a discipline issue for sure.
Right. And the reason why I always start with that is just helpful for people to understand that they do the things that they do, not just because it's, there's, there's, there's reasons why that really benefit them um, in whatever way. And, ho and hopefully with that, you can take those reasons why. And then when I ask you right now why you want to change that, you can still grab those benefits without doing it the way that you've been doing it. That makes a lot of sense. So why do you want to do it differently? Why do you want to take advantage of 15, 20 minutes here to do something a bit more higher hanging fruit or more meaningful? Ultimately, I feel like I'm not my optimal self yet. Like, I feel like I'm like, I can be a better version of who I am. And that can apply for like in several different facets, whether it is just like continuing working on a project that I have no idea if it's going to go anywhere, but like, at least I'm going for it or reading a book or um, writing, like, just like I haven't written in a while. Like uh, what's going to, what I want to write about? Like, just like all these different tools that I could be leveraging in a more meaningful way. Like, I feel like that will just ultimately make me a better person of who I expect to be. So just on a, on a large level, this making use of that time, even in a small way is representing you taking a step to be a more optimal, better version of yourself. Yes. Like I honestly feel it like almost like selfishly. Yeah. Right. There's so much more to what you can do in your life other than the things that you're doing right now, especially in those yes. 15, 20 minutes. Like what yes. is that time? Yes. And I'm just completely doing nothing. Like it's just a right. total waste. These are habits I see of other successful people. If I can pick up those habits and or go, I'll become successful, like whatever that is. So I think like there's definitely probably like a subconscious level to that as well. You know, you hear about the, these people, they get up in the morning and they, you know, they sit there, they meditate or they write 500 words a day or just something totally. that's like really focused, sustained attention. Yeah. And like, I'm not like trying to be Mark Wahlberg and like wake up at four yeah. in the morning and work out and then like do this and do that. It's just like, just even give no, me need like, to. It doesn't need to be that sophisticated. Right. Just give me like 40 minutes where I'm like, you know what? I just nailed those 40 minutes. Like today I did that. But even like, yeah, totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that basically, you know, you're saying it's 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 30 minutes there, whatever it is, an hour there, whatever. And it adds up, it ends up being, let's say an hour or two a day that like just maybe isn't the way you want it to be. Instead of thinking about what you're going to do with all that time, you sort of work backwards a little bit and you choose a particular activity that you want to be doing and you, you actually do it. And not because there's a free time, not because you happen to have a free time, but it's embedded in your day in some way. In my calendar already. It's in your calendar. It's there. Then what happens is, is like you steal that time from the thing that's been stealing it from you. Like it's like, yeah. if let's just say you decided to put 20 minutes a day of reading and you, it was embedded there, you would still have more time. You'd be like, oh, I have more time. But all of a sudden now there's 20 minutes of reading that's there on a regular basis that wasn't there. There's so much you can do with very small blocks. I think, I think there's very, there's a lot to that. I, I remember there's someone who I follow on Twitter, who I actually don't even know, but I remember he tweeted something along the lines. I'm going to butcher it, but you look at the essence of it of like, my life didn't change until like I decided my calendar versus letting other people decide my calendar for me. So like being responsive to other people's priorities versus making my priorities, my priorities. And I think there's something very powerful to that. And I think they're like, obviously at least like when for me personally, like I don't work for myself. So like, like there are certain things where I'm going to have to be beholden to other people's priorities, like my boss or some people on my team, whatever it might be. 
But I do think that if I did make something that might seem innocuous actually a priority because it's important to me and actually put that on my calendar, like I think that is a really interesting approach to, to give it. And you may get it wrong. Like it may take a long time to, and Cal Newport, who's the digital minimalism guy is all into the, the time blocks that people, if they actually put it in and they, they don't just get to the time and be like, well, what do I do? Cause that's often doesn't work, but they actually, even if it's the night before they notice, Oh, I actually have like three hours that are unaccounted for. Maybe I'll put in 20 for, in your case, I'll put in 20 minutes at this time. It might be different on a regular basis or it might not be. But it's just like you're, steal, you're, you're grabbing that 20 minutes from nothingness. And then you compound that after over like months. And you're like, whoa, I, I you know, 100%. I have so much time. Um, and we have so much time. And we also yeah. have no time. Yeah. But everyone's like that. And that's where it's like, can you, can you steal that time? 100%. So what's the one step right now that you really want to do to just pull this needle forward a little bit? Um, in terms of being more of an owner of that time? I think honestly, even something as like small as just like reading every day is like a very good, I just think it's like successful people read, smart people read. I enjoy reading. Um, it's like both from like an educational standpoint, but also from, I think from like a, I think it's just good for your brain. Like it's like, it, if I stop doing anything else, I just like do this one thing. There's no distractions. Like my phone's not out, like whatever, TV's not on, whatever. Like there's something very, almost like meditative to that, that um, I think from like a small incremental, I could do this starting tomorrow thing is like, or today, I think that would be like a good first step. And it, well, the thing about it is that it's, it's your attention isn't splintered. It's like lasered right. on one activity, which is something that we don't experience as much. We don't have as much sustained attention. And hundred percent. What Cal Newport always says is deep work that like focused intentional work that is non-distracted and maybe putting some reading into your day would be one of those steps for you. Uh, just, I definitely think so. Yeah. What time of day would you want to do that? I think the easiest time would be like before at nighttime. Um, yeah. That's like Archie sleeping. Um, I like, I have time. Like I, you know, I'm an adult. I can decide when I go to sleep. So like, you know, I can right. kind of read for as long as I want. So yeah, I think that would probably be the, the optimal time to do that. Because otherwise, you know, and cause you could, spend the whole night watching or on your phone, whatever. And, and you'll obviously still do that to a certain extent, but what if you put your phone away completely and you just sat on your couch or lied down or I don't know, whatever it is and just read for 100%. a period of time, but uninterrupted, not getting alerts or not getting this, but like actually just yes. letting it all move away. Yep. You think, think you can, exactly you right. think you'll actually do that? I think like, I know I can, like, that's like very attainable. Like that's such a small goal. Like, I, yeah, I think I could. Cause the hope with the podcast is that people will, people do what they say. Part of the reason why is cause you know, there's an incentive they've publicized that people will ask them about it. You know, you should tell Patty right after what you've decided that you're going to do so that Patty will bug you. It's doable. Even if you set it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes where there's an alarm. So you don't worry about how long it's been and you just, get into the book that you're reading or whatever it is. No, for sure. Like, I think the way you kind of broke it down earlier, like, I think when you start like, like whittling it down to the why of certain things, like that definitely is a little illuminating as far as like how to get from point A to point B. Right. And my other suggestion is, I don't know what your familiarity is with the library, but where I'm from, when I have my library card, 
I literally go online. I put a bunch of books on hold. They just come when they're ready. I got so many coming that it's a surprise. Oh. How does how does that work during the pandemic? Do they mail them to you? Can you go pick them up? How does it work? You you put them on hold. They send you an email. Your book is ready. You walk into the local library, literally. Give them your card right now because they don't let me go in. Take the book. Done. Uh, that's also the case for me with so ebooks. They're open during COVID. The libraries are yeah. open during COVID. Yeah. So ebooks and audiobooks is the same thing because the public library system where I'm from is so amazing in Toronto. It's like I have um, like I put in instead of buying Audible subscriptions, I just wait. Uh, books come on all the time, and then you have an app on your phone. And but basically, people. Wherever you are, please check out the library. It's it's an amazing public service and you can get a lot of really good books there. Yeah, I should. I 100% Read should. books. That's yeah. the, so that's really what we've gotten out of this. It's really, look, you've got, you've, you, you have priorities. You have your family. You have your wife, Archie. You have your work. You have leisure, which is amazing to just have some time off, watch a show, you know, read a, whatever it is. And then you also have opportunities to do something totally different, which is more about the self-betterment, whether it's reading or writing or just something like that. And you're hoping to optimize that and put that a little bit into your life. Absolutely. So good luck. Um, we'll follow up and we'll, and we'll ask you which books you've read and okay. evidence of that. If, if there is, you can give us a tiny synopsis it. or something like that. But thank you so much for your time for talking about the NFL. Thank you so much. So appreciate your time. No, no, this is great. Thanks for having me on. I uh, look forward to catching us soon. Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>